You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show. Okay, that one was different. <laughs> that was a new one. Um, I think you're just trying to inflect your voice in different ways. To it make was it a, sound a little different. Michael Buffer, but not quite. No, because he well, he's he's got the deep voice. You've already done the Michael. I Buffer. I don't even have it. I don't even have no. it. No, not hey, today. Hey, but it's the Tactical Kitchen Show, all right? Episode number seventy-four. Woo! And we're running late today because we have lives. <laughs> some not, days, some days. Not really exciting ones, but they're they're there. No, we got stuff we had to do. That was a really bad grammatical sentence, like lots of errors. Just disregard that. Don't judge. So anyway, we did have a lot of stuff to do today, and we're just now getting around to this. So it's going to be a late post, but that's still, it's still a post. Hey, yeah, it's still out there. We have nothing to say, but. <laughs> we do have some things to talk about. Uh, Who am I kidding? I can always talk. <laughs> so what have we done today? What do we do? What do we do? always do on Mondays? Okay, Monday is always a long run, at least since the last few weeks. <laughs> and we've been, we've been talking about for weeks trying to uh, start to put in that little more mileage, you know. It's getting to be fall, winter. That's when uh, most run programs start to really just put in that base smile for so when they get to spring, they've got all that endurance built up. Right. And that was my plan this morning. Mm -hmm. Last week, I did really good on, we switched it last week and did it on Sunday and I got over eight miles. And so today my thought was, I'm going to go out and crush it and do like nine. And And what happened? Well, sometimes your best laid plans are... You just have to throw them in the wind and go, whatever. I'm just going to do what I can. Just like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got to get a plan to get punched in the face. Yes, everyone has a plan (laughs) to get punched in the face. And I didn't feel like I got punched in the face this morning. It was more like, man, I, I didn't sleep awesome the last couple of nights. And I still got like six and a half, seven hours sleep, but it wasn't like really great sleep. And... When I got out there to run, I just didn't feel quite as like, I felt like my legs felt heavy. I don't know how to explain that. It's right. like, like that lactic acid just wasn't. It's heavy legs, man. Yeah. My, what do you call them? Getaway sticks? <laughs> heavy getaway sticks. <laughs> my getaway sticks turned into getaway logs. They were like <laughs> not working. It was, oh. And that's so, a really good example of you need to listen to your body and what it is telling you and not push it too hard. Well, you know, I think the thing is, we're, we always focus on the fact that, yes, we are over 40, and we're doing all these things. We're actually over 45. We're, <laughs> we're closer to 50. <laughs> and so when you start doing all these things, it really is important to listen to your body, no matter what diet you choose to follow and uh, eating plan you're on. But today, I, I kind of like, 
I think I tricked myself mentally before I even got out there because I knew I didn't have great sleep. So my first thought was like, oh, this probably isn't going to be so good. And that happens sometimes you just, you already don't feel like it. You're already not motivated to do it. Even though today was great uh, as far as the weather goes, it was perfect for running. Man, it's, what's today? November the 18th. 18th. And it was 71 degrees and sunny today. It was like 45 when we started running this morning. Yep. Sunny, one mile an hour wind. Yeah. Low humidity. You couldn't ask for better running. Yeah, it was really good, which which made me feel great. So on, you know, Melody listened to her body, didn't get great sleep, and she cut her run short. I was feeling good. I had a really good night's sleep. So I extended on the other way. So I made it all the way to my 10 mile mark today. I can't, I, okay, this is really awesome because I asked you after you did that, when was the last time you were able to run 10 miles? And uh, I can't even remember. It was, it had to be 1999 or 2000, probably around there. And, and that, so, was, that was pre-knee surgery. Right. And so a lot of times people will ask, you know, why do you do a ketogenic diet? Why are you bothering with all this? That's a big part of it right there that you look at, okay, now you're, you know, you're getting closer to 50 than 40, mm-hmm. and you haven't been able to do that since you were, what, let's see, in 99? That's you were, 29, 30 years old. Yeah. So you haven't been able to do it since then, and you did it today, and it's only because of our diet that you were able to do that. Absolutely. I, I mean, um, you know, earlier in the year, I went to the, the ortho guy, and, and he told me, you need a knee replacement, stop running, uh, you're, just, you're just tearing it to pieces. And that, that put me off for about three or four months until the summer when we got a lot tighter with our diet and all of a sudden my knee felt a ton better. Well, the big thing we did for, if you haven't listened to us before, the big thing that we did with our keto carnivore diet is we cut out dairy. Um, we were eating quite a bit of dairy and when we cut that out, it seemed like your knee just start, started getting better and better and better. It just started getting better and then... And then what happened was I started running harder, but then I started, my, my calves got tight. I really started pushing on them. So I still had leg pain that I was dealing with, but it wasn't specifically knee pain. Uh, so what I did after that, as I adopted a really hip-focused strength regimen, and it's really hard to explain, you know, over on a podcast, but, um, you know, it's just certain exercises that I did that I really focused on strengthening the hip. Because when you run, that's where you drive from. So so the stronger your hip is, the less force there's going to be on your knees. Yeah, and it's it. you also started working on just more mobility with overhead squats and things yep. like that. So all of that has played a part in being able to get that 10 miles in today, which right. is really awesome. Yeah, you know, beginning of the year, I, I, I wasn't running at all. Like, I couldn't do it. It hurt so bad. Yeah, and then after that today, we've had other stuff to do, and you've walked around. You haven't been like laid up on the couch with your knee iced up like you would sometimes after a three-mile run yep. when we were still having dairy and some things that were probably irritating that inflammation in your knee. Oh, I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of knee sleeves, like compression sleeves, and, and icing the knee. I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I feel like I'm one of those people that, you know, like, oh, you've got the uh, the ACE bandage. Well, you know, I've got this Zinsa, you know, compression sleeve. 
Well, we don't have a very big freezer, and half of it's dedicated to all the ice packs <laughs> that you use on your knee. I have so a lot of ice packs. We have that's one true. that's a compression sleeve that you put on there that's basically an ice pack. Yep. So the freezer is pretty full of meat and ice packs. Yeah, I mean, I feel it uh, in my legs. Of course, you run 10 miles, you're going to feel it, but I don't feel uh, incapacitated or, or like I can't do anything. I feel just fine. Yeah, and so for me today, that was really, you. like, I was home, I showered, I did all this stuff, and you still weren't back, and I was like, huh, I wonder I wonder if he's okay. I wonder if he's fallen down and bonked his head. I really did start to wonder if you were okay, but, you know, then obviously you came back, but I'd cut mine off at five miles, mm-hmm. and so when I realized that it was going to be a little bit rougher day, I'm... I just made the decision to set a different kind of goal and being able to be flexible like that. And what I wanted was to get my five miles in in under an hour because I've been like a 12-minute mile long run person for a while and I wanted to shorten it up. And I did. I accomplished that goal. And um, I got it in in 58 minutes and 35 seconds, which I was happy with. And then came back, got the dog, and took a mile walk with the dog. I still got in this in like six miles, but it was just different. And learning to listen to your body, especially as, you know, you age or just at any time, really, because the goal is to end on a high note and not push so hard sometimes that you end up not being able to do something the next day. Right. Now the the things we did uh, we've been incorporating to kind of make this uh, these runs uh, better, if you will, because we're doing you know if you're when you're running over an hour into an hour and a half, getting close to two hours, you have to have uh, some some extra stuff to go into your body while you're running. You you can't just you know take off for two hours and not ever drink water or take anything in. That's gonna that's gonna be hard. Which right. you no know, no no we did this fasted, like we didn't eat any breakfast. We had a fat coffee. And, yeah, and, and we we just recently switched back to just doing butter mm-hmm. and um, coconut oil in our coffee in the morning, just a little bit of each, and then we didn't we don't eat any like food. Some people wouldn't consider that fasting, but that's that's fine. Whatever, um, it's easy on the digestion. We go for our run. I don't need any food. Even when I did the eight miles, I didn't need any food at all. Mm-mm. But. The water and the electrolyte. Well, yeah. So what we've been doing is we've been setting up uh, out back in our gym. We just set up, you know, we make uh, put our water out there and we put a bag of salt and I mix up an electrolyte drink. So about 45 minutes, I'll come come by the house, stop, take in some salt, chase it with some water, and then take a couple uh, drinks of electrolyte drink and then turn around and head back out. Yeah. And we use the Redmond's uh, Real Salt, which I love. And so we put that out there. And if you're wondering why in the world, like if you don't know anything about this, why are you taking salt with your water or drinking, what's an electrolyte? Well, we do that because if you just push water, then you actually can become more dehydrated than before you even drink the water because your body won't hold it. And, mm-hmm. and the salt is very important and the electrolytes are very important to hold that. That's the minerals that you need. So that's something that we do incorporate and it does make your runs easier. If you're a distance runner... And you, you know, you know all about this. That's great. But I know we have some people who listen who are just starting out on their fitness journey. And these are all little things that you, you need to be aware of that when you exercise, you're losing a lot of your electrolytes, salt and uh, potassium and all these things that you need to replace. And just a little salt and water 
And usually you'll feel more energetic and you'll be able to get that muscle signaling to work like it needs to when you're exercising. It really helps. And the other thing that I did this morning before the run was I took a full serving of uh, ketones. Right. And we do use exogenous ketones. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about that for some reason. Well, you know, everybody everybody feels like they're being sold to, and we're not trying to sell you ketones. We're just telling you exactly what we do and and how we do it. And usually, I do half a serving in the morning. Usually, just uh-huh. a, a half a serving of ketones. Um, but this morning, I said I'm going to go do. You know, knowing that I was it was a great day, and I was kind of looking forward to it. I did a full serving of ketones, and man, that that it felt like that made a huge difference. Yeah, and I, I did the same, mm-hmm. and that's why. When I got to my fifth mile and I still felt really good, I decided to quit because I knew I hadn't had the, the right amount of sleep for me personally. So I wanted to end feeling good rather than feeling like I couldn't do anything the rest well, of the day. Well, I'm going to say you didn't quit. You finished. Right. That I like that much better. <laughs> I finished what I set out to do. Correct. So... There you That's go. That's way better. Framing it, uh, you know, and, and everybody needs to know that. Frame it correctly because she didn't quit. She finished what she had planned to do. There's a there's a difference. And I, I always joke when I see people driving down the road and they have the 13.1, um, you know, sticker on the back of their car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, look, it's quitters. They didn't do the full marathon. They just did half. And that's just a joke. If you run a half marathon, man, you're, you're better than me. So uh, you're out there doing it. You're getting there. You're getting there. You're getting there. You did 10 this morning, so, so that's awesome. Yeah, a 10 is is good, and I'm going to keep going, keep doing more, see how it goes, see how the knee feels. Hopefully, it continues to do well, and uh, you know we'll keep you updated. Yeah. But with that said, we were talking about electrolytes. So I want to get on my, my soapbox or hater box, whatever we want to call it. We always have a Steve rant. We had, this is a Steve rant because I got my personal trainer magazine in the mail this last week. And so I got to, I got to breeze through it. And these, and I, I want to know who owns this, this, uh, the American council on exercise, who runs it because they're so plant-based heavy. It drives me crazy. But one of the stories they had, they always publish studies. Okay. And, uh, you know, the studies are usually not that great. And this one, um, it was an investigation in the, it was in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. So what they did is they studied about 4,600 men and women in some different countries. And uh, they looked at, uh, there were people that had high amounts of restaurant fare and packaged processed foods. That's what they, they was one of the things that they had to eat a lot of processed foods and eat restaurant fare. Well, uh, after looking at it, they noticed that they had higher sodium levels. So, and that caused bloating. And so what did they recommend? They didn't recommend that they limit their consumption of packaged processed foods. They recommended that they limit their consumption of salt in place right. of, and, and that way they can eat a high fiber diet. Yeah. So, okay, let's break it down. Let's break it down let's here. Let's break it down. This is important to understand how they had findings, but why were they incorrect? Okay. So as a person who's been in the restaurant world, when you go to a restaurant, you are getting some usually very salty food, and it's not going to be a well, any kind of quality like Redmond Real Salt generally. Most places that people are going, fast food, packaged processed food, this is table salt. This is stripped of its minerals. Right. So why the bloating? Well, A, the food that you're eating is causing inflammation, 
Because if you're eating in restaurants and you're eating packaged processed foods, these are usually processed with oils that are causing inflammation, but the salt is causing the bloating because the minerals are out of balance, all those electrolytes we were talking about. And your body gets a little bit like confused and because the minerals are out of balance and it holds too much water. It doesn't let it be released like it should be when it needs to be. It'll hold it in the tissue. And they're probably eating a lot of carbohydrates, which also causes water retention with right. that sodium. And so here's the thing. They rather than recommend them to eat a good quality mineral-based salt, like a real salt, or to stop eating that crappy restaurant food, which we know most of what they're getting is fried mm -hmm. and in poor oils or packaged processed food, they're telling them a high-fiber diet. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because most generally, the fiber is going to cause bloating as well. So what is their... What what in the world are they trying to get done here? I don't know because again you got to look at it. These people are eating out, so they're eating at a restaurant. They're eating packaged and processed foods. Okay, those are two things that they know. Other things we know is sodium is a, essential to life. Like you, yes, you have to have it. Fiber is not essential at all. So now they're recommending that you reduce the consumption of something you need and increase the consumption of something you don't need, opposed to saying hey. Why don't you stop eating out so much, eat some real food, and get rid of, rid of that packaged processed stuff, and everything will be just fine. But no, they come after salt. Right. And and the, and the they're not even telling you the type of salt. No, they don't differentiate that, at all. And why you should not eat that kind of stripped salt, processed you know, salt, versus eating a salt that contains all the minerals that balance it, the sodium and the 64 to 84 other minerals that it comes naturally with, which when you make table salt, it's heated and stripped of all that. So it's just amazing that they don't... It's like people who are doing the study don't understand how the human body works, which well, is terrifying. It gets even better because on the same page, so there's two articles on this page, the bottom article is titled, Is Social Media a Nutritional Black Hole? And my first response is, this magazine is a nutritional black hole, okay? So in this, this bottom article, they tell you to not listen to people on social media because they're giving you bad advice. When, right. When the bad advice is on the page right here. So uh, I thought it was great. Yeah, this is such an interest. I love when we get this magazine because it gives us so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it will, but it's a good, uh, you know, example of why people are so confused and so screwed up when it comes to diet and they just don't understand and like we always talk about most people are trying to eat right they're trying to do the right thing but when they're getting poor advice it's really hard to do the right thing it is and what's funny about this whole article or this magazine is that every personal trainer who's certified with that certification that that credentialing association um they're getting this information. They're passing this on to clients. All while, when you're a personal trainer, you're not supposed to talk about nutrition with a client. Right. But they're telling you what to tell your clients, even though they're telling you you're also not supposed to talk to your clients about it. <laughs> it's like clowns, you know? It's like, this is like run by clowns. What's well, going on? It's those things. When you're in, the, in the, the health and wellness business, you have your lanes you're supposed to stay in. Your personal trainer, personal trainer is supposed to stay in that exercise lane and getting people healthy through exercise 
Anything that's nutritional, you're supposed to kick over to the dietitian, and then anything that's health related beyond that is what a doctor deals with, and and those are the lanes you're supposed to stay in. Um, so, but when you're a personal trainer and you're and you're working out with somebody, they're always going to ask you what you eat. What, yeah. what should I eat before a workout? What should I eat after a workout? Um, you know, what should I eat during the workout? All that stuff. And they know that, and so they're they're feeding you this information so that when you do slip, you know, out of your lane. You're giving them this information. Right. That's what they're doing. So these people, the more they're going to cut back on their sodium, and the more you cut back on your sodium, the less energy you're going to have. Because when you lower sodium, you're lowering energy levels. Absolutely. So it's going to make it harder for these people that even if they are you know, trying to get on that, that healthy diet, <clears throat> uh, if they try to cut salt, they're going to have problems. Yeah, yeah. Because what do we always recommend people do when they we start working with them? Increase your salt. We <laughs> always tell them increase your salt. And, and this is how much salt. So uh, I got up this morning and I had, uh, you know, I drink about 20 ounces of water with probably half a teaspoon of salt. Yeah. And then uh, and then we have fat coffee, sit around, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, red, surfed, all that kind of we stuff. We do old people things. We do old people things. And then I had another half teaspoon of salt before I went out for the run. And then the th- for three times on the run, I came back past the house. I had probably a half teaspoon of salt every time I came back. Right. And that might not be what's right for everybody, but you have to find your balance of how much salt works for you. But it's going to be a lot. So don't be scared. It's not going to be like a granule or two. It's going to be like we're talking in the, in the teaspoons and quarter teaspoon amounts. You need so. if you're working out hard, especially if it's hot. You need that salt, and then in addition to the salt, you have to drink a, a quality electrolyte drink. And the thing is, does this is this necessary for every single person? What we just said is workouts are what matter right here. So if you're sedentary and you're in the house all day or in a building all day, it might not be the same for you. But you said in the summer, but I really think it's equally as important in the winter and you have to be more keenly aware of it. Yeah. Like we've talked about, because you don't realize how much you're losing because you're not actually sweating. You're just evaporating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're you're evaporating into nothing. <laughs> One of the real things I've noticed is everybody talks about, you know, as you get older, have you have to get up middle night and go to the restroom. Yeah. If I get in enough salt during the day, I don't have to get up to use the restroom no matter how much water I drink. I find the same thing. So even when like I don't sleep well, like I have a hard time falling asleep, when I do go to sleep, I sleep for a solid six hours at least. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I don't wake up to go to the restroom. Like, and you, you know, you should be able to sleep for six to eight hours without having to wake up and go to the restroom. Right. So for anybody that has that problem, that's always getting up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night, you might want to look at how much salt you're taking in during the day. Yeah, because that sodium is going to tell your body that it's okay to hold in the water and not push it all out. So it's just, it's this balance that you have to find that, that can be tricky um, it's not an easy thing. We've been doing this for a very long time, and we still mess it up sometimes. Oh, yeah. it's. St- I'll still go. It'll be, you know, half of the day, and I'll think, man. Train. It's a, it's a keto train. Uh, I'll think, man, uh, I didn't take enough salt today. And and you'll notice it later on because you'll feel thirsty or, again, uh, 
you know, I'll have to get up and use the restroom in the middle of the night because I'm drinking plenty of water, but I'm not throwing in enough salt or electrolyte drinks as well. Because even if you get a good electrolyte drink, they're still usually low sodium. Right. Yeah, they're, they're, they usually are. So. Because, because society in general is afraid of sodium. So, you know, they don't well, put a whole lot of in it in general, there. most people eat a lot of salty foods. It's just the wrong salt and the wrong foods. Mm-hmm. So that's what causes the bloat and the problem and the water retention and all those things. But yeah, yeah. So don't so don't blame salt for you know holding you know edema, holding water, or high blood pressure or, or any of that stuff. Yeah, and if you, if you have bloating, probably fiber isn't the answer. Fiber is not the answer. <laughs> it's not the answer. You know, I understand why they recommend fiber. I get it, but everybody has to know when you eat fiber, that's a food you don't need, and it and by definition, it's not digestible. Right. So what happens to fiber when you eat it? It gets fermented and turned into... Short-chain fatty acids. Short-chain fatty acids. It turns into fat. So that's why when they say people eat a lot of fiber, you know, that's a healthy diet because they're getting fatty acids. Well, you know, you don't have to eat fiber to get fatty acids. Just eat the fatty acids. Come on. We've, I think we've talked. We've talked about this. We've before. told you this. We've told before. you this. So, so right. just keep doing it. Yeah. So this this has been um, one of those weeks where I have had a little bit of sleep trouble, like I've already mentioned, and where we have to play with our electrolytes and our salt at times. Sometimes I have to play with carbs. Mm-hmm. I have to get into that, you know. <laughs> if you make it sound like you're out, you're out back with a couple of potatoes, like rolling them around the yard. I have to play hot potato. So it's it's just really interesting because there we talked about this before. I think I said this last week that there's no shame when you have to supplement. And the same goes with carbohydrates. If I listen to everyone online, and this is where the social media can be a nutritional black hole, because you can listen to someone else who has completely different health issues than you and concerns than you, see what they're doing and is working for them, try to implement it into your life, and it fails. Fail miserably. And it fails hardcore. And for me, if I watched everyone who said, I'm carnivore, I don't ever have to eat anything other than steak and steak and steak or beef, you know, only. Well, I might not do so well. I might try and maybe I don't do so well. Well, I do really well with red meat. But what I've noticed for myself is a pattern that if I don't add in a little bolus of carbohydrates every few weeks, my sleep begins to suffer. And it's just kind of like... I've been putting this whole sleep picture together for a while, and I still don't have it all down. Um, so if you're in the boat where you're suffering with sleep issues too, I feel for you because when you start hitting that 45, four, I'm 48, so when you start getting as a female into that close to 50 area and everything starts to change again in your body like you're a teenage girl but going backwards, <laughs> you're going downhill now, um, you know, things start to really kind of get wonky and -hmm. you have to play with stuff like carbohydrates sometimes so I've added in some root vegetables with with my meal today this afternoon from we're still eating in an early window when possible but I added in some root vegetables and we're going to see how that goes um is it right for everybody no because you might have a health issue that carbohydrates just absolutely are something you can't do but my sleep can my concern right now is sleep so for me, that's my big health 
concern right now is quality sleep. Yeah, and, and you know, we always talk about how everybody's different, and you have to experiment with these things. And and when you experiment, make sure you, you food journal. That's a really important thing. Um, you know, we'll have people ask us questions online all the time about something random, and without without like a food journal to review or look at, it's really hard to pin things down. Yeah, like you know, if somebody says, "Hey, I started eating this way, and now all of a sudden this is happening," well, we can't really pinpoint that unless we know. Okay, let's look at all the foods you're eating. We can kind of guess, but same thing goes for myself. If I didn't have it, all of this written down daily, I wouldn't be able to go back and see the pattern mm-hmm. or to try to figure out, okay, what's happening on the days that I'm able to fall asleep real easily, sleep eight hours, not wake up during the middle of the night versus the nights where I can't fall asleep till midnight and it's a struggle to get to sleep, my heart's beating fast or whatever's going on and then I sleep for six hours and I'm fine, you know. <laughs> I had a, a, a guy that I've been coaching for a couple of weeks now he sent me a message and just said, hey, my, my knees hurt. What could that be? And I'm like, well, and and uh, it's not someone I'm, I'm coaching as a friend, kind of one of those things. So I just um, helping him along. And uh, I was like, man, to really pin, pin it down, I'd need a food journal. Like I need to know with, with that the three days, uh, at least the past three days, what you've eaten to try to pin down what it is. And of course, you know, you get to always get the, oh, I haven't eaten anything bad. It's been really clean. Man, those two terms out there are so ambiguous when it comes to uh, the diet. Um, and it could be so many things. It could be he added one thing that was inflammatory to his arthritis in his knees, and that set it off. Or it could be he's eaten very clean, and now he's starting to oxalate dump. Yeah, They're starting he's to, starting to detox. He's starting to detox, and it's just going to happen for a few days, and then it's going to pass. And you don't know, and that's why we're all so different because – you know, it, it depends on up to this point in his life, what he's done and how he ate depends on how fast that detox occurs and how long it's going to last. Yeah. And that's something that's really important when somebody changes their diet um, to know that, you know, you could be experiencing symptoms that are from the past diet, not from the current diet. So that's, and we've talked about that before, that detox effect that happens that sometimes you just have to push through Mm -hmm. um, to get to the other side of it before you feel great. Yeah, you do. Some weird things will happen. Your body will do some weird things uh, when it's detoxing. So you just have to be aware of that. And then again, that's why it's helpful to have a coach, somebody you can reach out and talk to and describe what's going on. And then a health coach can pin it down. Yep. Um, you know, and the one probably the last thing we'll talk about today is is training in general. We we talk about our training, and uh, we I mean we'd like to hear what you guys are doing as far as training goes, and and you know where you're at in your journey. But you know we're we're getting up towards fifty, and I watched this video about about training at fifty and and what you should be doing and how it should look, and uh, most of it I completely disagreed with. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> because the guy's like, you can't just go into the gym and do pull ups. I was like, no. You absolutely can. That's what I do every time I go to the gym or I go outside. My warm-up is is pull-ups, push-ups, and usually uh, dips or toes to bar. You know, and, yeah. and I can knock out 15 pull-ups and, and 40 push-ups pretty easy back-to-back. And, and if you're a male, you should absolutely 100% be able to walk up to a pull-up bar and do 15 pull-ups. But what if they can't? What if they can't? Okay. What if they can't? You need to be working towards that goal. And, and and that's 
you know, almost being 50, that's one of my goals. I, I want to maintain that. I can do 15 to 20 pull-ups, you know, at, at uh, you know, for, for one set and then drop down, shake it out for about 30 seconds and knock out 40 to 50 nonstop push-ups. That's, that's like my uh, bar that I want to maintain. And if you're a guy that can't do that, you need to start working towards that. What's something that somebody can do to start, even for females though, like being able to pull your own body weight up is a big goal that a lot of women have. It was a big one for me. Right. And I haven't worked on it diligently like I should be, but I can still go out there and knock out five. I can get five to six, and which I couldn't do one. So if believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It took you a couple of years. It took me, and I didn't even work on it consistently for two for for that long I would periodically go out there and go okay I'm gonna try this when I really set my side on doing it it was probably about 12 weeks six eight to 12 weeks before I could really just like knock out the pull-ups and but that was really focusing on it Mm -hmm. I'd I'd go out there and just kind of try it and then be like I can't do it (laughs) but but the big thing for a female is getting the upper body strength because a lot of us don't have that upper body strength. Right. So if you if you need to develop that upper body strength, you know, you get in the gym, you know, lift the weights, do the back exercises, but also get on the bar. If you can't pull yourself up, you can still hang and do a scapula pull up, mm-hmm. which which is where most people start when they can't do a pull up. You do a scapula pull up, which is like a scapula kind of roll, um, and you start with those, and then you start pulling. And you just hang on the bar until you can't hang on the bar anymore to build that that grip strength, that forearm strength, uh, you know, to start getting up on the bar. But until you can do that, you're you know you're doing the, the regular lifts in the gym, you're doing the curls in the back and the chest, and you know you're working your shoulders, you're lifting weights. That's what you're right. doing to get to that goal. For me, I will say, for me, deadlifting was one of the big keys to being yep. able to do pull ups. Because it was grip strength that was one of my major like limiting factors. Mm-hmm. I didn't have grip strength. And developing grip strength by doing deadlifts and then hang, just hangs on yep. the bar to get your hands accustomed to being on that bar. Because it hurts at first. It does. If you've never done it before, your hands are going to sting. <laughs> it, doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. You're going to get down several times and go, that stings. And you're going to... Get some calluses and some things are going to happen to your hands unless you wear gloves or whatever. But, you know, it's just for guys, would you say the same thing would be true? Getting the grip, the deadlifts, the being able to pull weight off the floor translates to being able to pull your body up to a bar? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, you just, you know, you got you to gotta continuously over time build that strength. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes you know, weeks upon months to build that upper body strength to get there. And and my, my point in all this after watching that video was uh, they were like, you know, training at 50, you just you just can't push your body anymore. And I, I, I disagree because right. you, you got to have goals. And and what everybody else talks about, you know, well, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm 50 and I'm injured and uh, I'm overweight and this hurts and that hurts. Okay, well, your goals are, are smaller than other people's goals are different. It, it's more I want to I want to increase the mobility on my my bad back or my bad knee or my bad shoulder that's your first goal and then you know I want to eat right so I can lose weight because losing that weight is going to help the mobility of that joint for sure 100% so I, I think at any age you have to continue to have goals 
And you have to continue to find, now you're not going to push yourself like a 20 year old where I'm just going to go out and try to run 10 miles with no training whatsoever, because you see people do that all the time. Uh, You're going to be more intelligent about your goals, but you're going to set them and you're going to continue to put yourself in discomfort. Right. And I think that kind of circles back around to where we started, where you felt really good today and you were able to go out and do your 10 mile run. Mm -hmm. Whereas I had a little bit different feeling where I, I felt like I needed to dial back a little bit today to preserve some for the rest of the week since I'm starting, I feel like, a little behind the ball today. And I'll catch up on my rest and then move forward from there. And that having those kind of goals that are also flexible according to, you know, understanding how you should push your body when you should and when you should not become really important. So, you know, I think all of that matters. And and for some people who are new and starting out, this is where getting a, a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, all these things do really benefit you because there's a lot that someone like that is going to know that you're going to have questions about and you're not going to have the right answers yet. And the experience, it's just kind of like driving a car, you know, you, you can drive a car when you're 16, when you learn to drive, but you don't have experience. Mm-hmm. So you're going to not be as great behind the wheel as someone who. Well, initially it's uncomfortable. Driving. Yeah. It's, un, it's uncomfortable. And you, and, and that's the thing about fitness is you need to, need to continue to put your place. That's not comfortable for you. And that's something that I, we did a lot last summer, especially for me, uh, just doing a, uh, a, you know, a squat with, uh, holding a weight overhead. When, mm-hmm. I, when I first tried to do it, I couldn't do it at all. I couldn't hold a PVC pipe over my head. It took me a couple months to get comfortable with that movement. And what I could have done initially was like, oh, I can't do that. I don't have that flexibility or mobility. You know, that's not for me. Well, it's real easy to go out for a workout and cherry pick what you like and mm-hmm. what you feel comfortable with. Yep. And when you do that, you'll get to a certain a certain point of progress, and then you just won't progress anymore. So you do have to find those places where you are a little uncomfortable every single time you do something. And that's, I'll honestly say that's why I love the CrossFit style workouts, because they put you in a position to be uncomfortable every time you work out, um, if you want to be. Right. Well, you know, getting uncomfortable could be something as simple as just going to the gym for some people. Exactly. So, so, and, and that's, and that's a step. That's a goal. My goal is to get to the gym today, even though I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it and go and go lift some weights and, and feel better about myself and then come back. You should be able to do little things like that your entire lifetime, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, a hundred. You should be able to always have those small goals that you're trying to achieve. Never stop setting those little goals uh, to keep yourself moving forward. That's what happens to people when they get, when they get old or they get, uh, depressed or they just, you know, get stagnant in life. They, they're not setting those little goals. It didn't have to be great goals. It didn't no. have to be, you know, those huge, humongous goals every year like people set for New Year's. Little bitty goals that you can achieve that are simple are going to keep you going forward. And that's the whole takeaway. Uh, that video made me feel like that, you know, once you're 50, like it's over, you know. <laughs> you're probably not going to be able to do anything anymore. Too bad. And, and I was, and I, I just, it, it kind of upset me and I wanted to make that point of, it's not over. It's never over. You know, I feel like at 
this stage of my life, I'm getting stronger, faster, and better than I ever have been before. Now, granted, I didn't do a lot of these movements when I was younger, but I'm doing them now. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't see getting older as getting weaker and more um, sedentary. I see us being stronger, faster, right. and better. It's never over. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Uh, that didn't even happen. <laughs> that's Batowski. That's, <laughs> that's an Animal House reference for anybody that might get it. Oh, um, I didn't get it. <laughs> Boo. Zero okay. point zero. So set a goal this week. Yeah. Thanksgiving's coming up. We know. We know that the family stuff and the desserts and the stuffings and whatever else is happening. Um, crescent rolls. I don't know. Things are going to be in your face probably in the next week. Yep. So set goals, set small goals. We have a kid coming in from yep. school, so the dog might bark. But set your goals and make them something where you have something to reach for, but also attainable so that you feel successful. Right. Okay, cool. Well, I think that uh, wraps it up for this week. You guys um, go out there and set some goals. Have mucho fun. We appreciate you listening. Uh, Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to vtkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.